Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good to see everybody. There's something special about Baptism Sunday. Can we just be honest and say there's just something special about it? There's that, uh, what me and Keith call that double nurtain. Uh, that double anointing is what I said, not uh, nurtured. But uh, anyway, I could tell y'all are all in a very comical mood. So we'll just go ahead and uh, jump right in. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15. Super quickly, my name is Braden. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here at New Life Church. Uh, we've got a campus here. Got another campus in Midland. If you're kind of new to our environment, Keith and his wife Natalie do a phenomenal job uh, here in Lubbock. We've got Cody and Stacy Sykes there. In, uh, in Midland, and uh, yeah, so that's a little bit. My wife and I started the original church there in Lubbock, or sorry, there in Midland, and we're here now, and our life is, is abnormal. And we've got a senior in high school this year. I also have a four-year-old who uh, still has not discovered Jesus. And um, we'll get a little transparent and vulnerable here for just a second. Our first two kids, uh, we've never been called by the school. Like, we didn't really understand what that, like, we hear about people getting calls from the school, and we're like, man, you guys just need to be better parents. Like, that's, you guys just really need to work that out. And so uh, our four-year-old's now in preschool, and we've been called three times in the first two weeks. Well, we, first eight days, technically. And so, um, y- yeah, uh, there's that. So anybody else can, can attest that this is just not easy? First of all, let me just rewind. I owe all of you an apology. If I've ever judged you for your parenting, I repent right now. And uh, so uh, it's, it's interesting. So uh, we're, in the, we're in the middle of that. And then also have a senior, like I said, in high school, getting ready for college. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big gap, preparing for college and then whatever that thing is the Lord blessed us with that's four years old. So we're, we're, in, we're in the middle of that. So anyway, uh, really glad you're here. Today's message is going to be a little teachy. Uh, not super preachy, but a little bit teachy. I, uh, I, I felt like I got um, corrected by the Lord this morning. Um, I was out of town all day yesterday being water boy for the volleyball team in Bernie, Texas. And so I was water boy all morning, drove back late last night, got straight to bed. And for whatever reason, I was just five o'clock this morning, just my eyes just shot. I was wide awake and spent a lot, a lot of time in prayer, a lot more time than even I usually do this morning in prayer. And um, in, in, as I was just praying through my message, I, I heard myself say in my mind that this is not a super revelatory message. I just thought that in my head, and uh, that this, it's not grand revelation. And as soon as I thought that, uh, the Lord said to me, so my word is not revelation to you? And I said, I repent. <laughs> and uh, I, I repent. So it's, it's, it is a simple message, but I, I refuse to uh, diminish its power. This is the Word of God. And now we're going to start by reading that. And here in verse, chapter 15, verse 1. Um, if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. Uh, you'll get a single story apartment in heaven, but we will have the um, <laughs> a baby mansion. You'll have a baby mansion. Uh, but we, we, we will have this up on the screen for you. John chapter 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you 
unless you abide in me. Verse 5, he comes right back with it. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. I'm going to just repeat that. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Has it ever occurred to you that fruit in your life gives him glory? Fruit in him. Fruit, I'm sorry, fruit in your life. And there's, there may be some in here who have a problem with being blessed. If you don't like being blessed, I'll take your extra. Because this is what the scripture says. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Discipleship is connected to bearing fruit. Discipleship and bearing fruit brings glory to him. Can I get an amen? Um, again, we're going to go line by line. This, is, this can come across very teachy. Uh, oftentimes when I, when I do this and take this approach, uh, it tend, seems like this is only something I do uh, when I'm doing more of like a leadership teaching. And so this has the, the potential, if you will, to be a little, more, a little more meat, a little less milk, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, when I do this, though, the, the Scripture is so rich. I, I sometimes say, oh, I'm going to read 15 verses, and then we're going to go through the verses one by one. And then I never get past verse 1. I don't know if anybody else is that way, but that's kind of how today is. I'm just going to say it in advance. That's how today is going to go. We are not going to get past verse 1. I read all of it to give context, uh, but I'm not going to get past verse 1 right here. I am the true vine. Just say that with me. I am the true vine. Second part, my father is the vine dresser. Say that with me. My father is the vine dresser. Point number one today is a very simple point, but we're going to just lean in it a little bit and allow the Lord to speak to us a little bit. And I'll just say this as well, uh, in case you're new to our church. Um, we are a church that believes that I am not the best teacher in the room today. The Holy Spirit is. I want you to think about that. I, I might be up here with a, with a cool little mini Garth Brooks headset on, but um, I am not the best teacher in the room. And I implore you today, as I'm teaching, as I'm reading the Word of God, I would rather you listen to the Holy Spirit today more than you're listening to me. I can't tell you how many church services that I've been in where uh, the, the Holy Spirit was moving, whether a, a lyric in worship, uh, somebody said something, the pastor would say something, and I would mentally just go off on this little rabbit trail, and it seemed like I would miss large portions of the message. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. We're like, I think I missed about half, half of that message. You have permission to listen to him more than you listen to me. And I just believe with all of my heart that as you're in this environment where I'm bringing the word, we've, we've created an atmosphere of his presence. Uh, he's here. The Holy Spirit is here. The great teacher is here. And he has the exact answer for the exact question that you came here asking. That is the beauty of spirit-led ministry. It ministers to everyone. Jesus told his disciples this one time. It's better that I go so that the Father can send the Holy Spirit. One of the many reasons, I'm sure, but one of the reasons that it was better for Jesus to go and the Holy Spirit to come and be available to us is the Holy Spirit is the administer of the covenant of Jesus. But he's available to everyone at the same time all over the earth, no matter what you're going through. There was one Jesus. One, Jesus could be in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit's everywhere at the same time. 
So whatever you have need of today, if you will lean in by faith, allow the Holy Spirit to take you on whatever rabbit trail he needs to take you on and minister however he needs to minister, I assure you, you will be ministered to today. Amen? First point, I, Jesus says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples in the story. In fact, this is the, what we all know as the Last Supper. It's the last time Jesus spoke to his disciples before he was uh, before he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, he did reappear to them. The resurrected Jesus did reappear to his disciples. But this Last Supper is the last time he spoke to his disciples before that. What do we know about uh, kind of the idea of people when they're on, uh, we talk about people's last will and testament. They're saying, hey, I, I need you to stay, remember, these are the important things. Most people's wills, they don't, they're not super, super detailed by every nook and cranny. Oftentimes it's like, hey, here's the, here's the big rocks, so to speak. Jesus is reminding his disciples of the big rocks. Very important, uh, very important concept here. And he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Which is this, it's this phrase right here. Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is the source of of all life. Jesus is the source of everything good that's ever happened in your life. Jesus is the source. Let me read this and give it some more context here. In John chapter 1 verse 1 it says, in the beginning, before all time, was the word, and I'm reading from the Amplified, was the word Christ, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. Listen to this. All things were made and came into existence through him. Without him, not even one thing that was made that was coming into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus is the source of everything good in your life. Jesus is the source of everything good that's ever happened to you. It's not your, it's not your obedience your obedience is not the source of your reward. Your education is not the source of your reward. Your ambition is not the source of your reward. Your, your discipline, even the fact that you came to church and you raised your hands in worship and you sang the songs and when Bethany said, pound your chest, you did it with both hands. These things are important. I... I I, we'll get to this later. I know un obedience unlocks some things. Education unlocks some things. Discipline unlocks some things. Reward, uh, worship unlocks some things. But let's not get it twisted. The source of everything good in your life, it started with, it began with Jesus. We, we were saying a lyric while ago, and it just, man, as soon as we sang it, it just was like, Ugh, it just grabbed me and like squeezed me from the inside. You ever had something happen like that where it's like, I just don't know why that hit me so hard. But when Colin was singing that song where he, he said the phrase, you're a lifetime worth of worship, and it's only just the start. Oftentimes, oftentimes people, uh, you've heard, you may have heard me say this before, oftentimes people think that worship is a, and people who love to worship, it's, it's like a, it's a gifting that maybe they're gifted in the area of worship or maybe they're wired or their personality is more eccentric in the area of worship. And I, I, I would say that that's actually not true. In fact, according to Scripture, you won't find someone, uh, there's no spiritual gift worshiper. Now, there are people that are talented in singing, and then there's those that make just a joyful noise. Raise your hand if you're a joyful noise kind of person. We got some joyful noise people. Uh, 
you might be talented in singing. You might be talented in playing an instrument. You, have, you may have disciplined yourself, had some natural talent, but then even disciplined yourself in these areas. But let me just say this. Worship is not a gift. Worship is not a gift. Worship is the response of people that understand that Jesus is the source of all the good things in their life. Now, your worship doesn't have to look as, as extravagant as everybody else's worship looks like, but, you know, there are other, there are other um, expressions of worship other than clapping your hands, other than raising your hands, other than singing and playing instruments. There are other, there are other um, types of worship. Giving is an act of worship. Tithing is an act of worship. Notice there, there's two different things there. There's giving and tithing. There's tithing and giving. Uh, if, you, if you're a, not a tither, you've never been a giver. In case that, if you're not a tither, then you've never been a giver. Here's why, here's why I know that. According to Scripture, the tithe never belonged to you in the first place. It was always God's. It is God's. It's still God's. It's always been God's. And when, you, when we talk about the tithe in Scripture, it says, return to me. You can't give until you've returned. So if, you have, if you're not a tither and you say, well, I give occasionally here. No, what you do is you hand out God's stolen money. I didn't write it. God wrote it. If you're, if you're mad right now, you're mad at the Bible, so you're not mad at me. But there are, there are people that are tithers. In other words, they return 10%, they give their 10% back, but then from their heart, they're constantly, with the rest of their 90, they're holding it with open hands in an act of worship, saying, Lord, how can I represent heaven on earth to somebody today with my 90? I want to worship you with my 90. My 90 is surrendered to you. I returned the 10, but I want to worship you with my 90. There's so many different ways serving is an act of worship. People that serve are, are, are worshipers. And so my, my point in this is not that you have to be the clapper, the jumper, the singer, the, the, all, all of those things, but you should be a worshiper. And if you have an awareness that Jesus is the source of all things, you will naturally be a worshiper if you know that. You will naturally, be, naturally ha- live in this place of gratitude. It's impossible to be fully aware that Jesus is the source of all things and not be full of gratitude. Oftentimes, the reason we don't have gratitude is that we've secret, secretly given, given something we've done or even something someone else has done credit for something good in our life. We give our hard work, we give our discipline, we give an inheritance, we give, we give something else the credit for certain things. And therefore, it's hard, to be, it's, it's hard to be thankful, it's hard to live in a heart of gratitude. Another thing that I've noticed that um, people who have an awareness that Jesus is the source of all things they're, they're very humble people, very, very humble people. It's impossible to fully know Jesus is the source of all life and be arrogant. Faith, faith indicates trust, and trust triggers the release of all the things that Jesus made for you and created for you before the foundation of the earth. So you can say, man, I, because I do believe this, I do believe that Faith unlocks things, and there's some things that you'll never experience unless you walk by and live by faith. But don't get it twisted. Your faith did not create that good thing. It just unlocked that good thing. That good thing was waiting for you because of Jesus. All things were made through him. So here's what I mean. Then we won't get, if you know that, if you believe that, 
you will walk by faith, but you will not allow your faith to take the credit for how good your life is. You, you might walk by faith, you might live by faith, and you might understand that sometimes the execution of your faith, the, the, the walking by faith, might be very, very difficult. It might, it might require you to do something very, very difficult or very, very hard or do something that you don't understand. And on the back side of that, you may or may not want to say, oh, how, how did this happen? Well, well, my faith, my faith, I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty baller right now. I'm, I, am, I am crushing it. No, if you understand this, you will simply know. When someone says, man, what is, what is going on in your life? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Your mind will not go to your faith. Your mind will go to Jesus. And when, you open, when your mind goes there, your mouth will follow. <laughs> it's all, no, I... I, I promise you, I may have done some things, but I'd have nothing, I would be nothing, I would know nothing if it were not for Jesus. He is the source of every good thing in my life. Sometimes you have to, f- <laughs> you ever heard the phrase, fake it till you make it? Uh, two of you, that's good. Um, there's this phrase called fake it till you make it. <laughs> Sometimes what you have to do, if you find yourself uh, leaning towards pride, if you find yourself leaning towards not having gratitude, if you find yourself leaning towards struggling in the area of worship, you might have to introduce this little practice on a regular basis. Just say out of your mouth, Jesus, you are the source of every good thing in my life. Jesus, you, in fact, I'll just say this. I, literally this morning, I was having this epiphany um, in, in prayer, and I, I found myself, I've taught this, I believe this, I I know it. I just forgot it. Um, I, I have said to people before, you cannot, you cannot take a thought captive with another thought. You have to take a thought captive with a word. Thoughts have no creative power. Thoughts have no creative power. Words do. It does not say in the beginning, God thought, let there be light. God thought, no. The thought may have been there, but the power comes when we let the word out. I, I, in my prayer time, I wanted to pray. I knew I needed to pray in a certain direction. So I would pray in tongues for a little bit. It's kind of, I'm kind of this, my, my prayer time is this mesh up of, of meditating on the word, praying something out in tongues, then interpreting what my tongue was, then praying in English, making some declarations, making some petitions, repeat. And it's, then you never know what order it's going to be in. So I'm, I'm in this. And what I noticed is I had gotten really quiet. My prayer had kind of turned into more of like a mutter. And I could, my, but my mind was racing. My, my mind was just going so many different directions. And so I'd think about this, and I'd think about this, and I'm like, nah, focus back, pray on this thing. And I would pray just for a little bit, and all of a sudden, I'd, I'm, here I am wandering over here again. And, and I heard the Lord say this to me, pray louder. Pray louder. I can't give you all the theology behind this, but I started praying in such a way that not that my mind knew I was praying, my ears knew I was praying. My ears knew it. And I began to pray in tongues with my ears. And I'm telling you, when my ears heard my prayer, it's like, my, I, well, here's what I saw in the Spirit. I saw my mind go, Teen Hut! It's like it was out jacking around and doing whatever it wanted to, and all of a sudden it's like when it heard the words, it heard my tongue, my prayer, I was praying in tongues. When it heard me praying in tongues, which was me partnering with the Holy Spirit to pray the prayer of heaven, when my ears heard that, my mind went, yes, sir, what can we do? 
Sometimes that's what you need to do with your mind. When your mind's racing and you're having all these crazy thoughts, you need to open your mouth loud enough for your ears to hear it so that your mind will say, hey, hey. Jesus is the source of all things. He's a lifetime worth of worship. And that's only just the start. Communion is such an important thing to me. We... Um, we talk about this. There's a reason we do this every Sunday. And I mean, a real, there's a real depth to this reason. I'm learning, over the years, I've learned a lot about myself. And uh, I've found the Lord and the Holy Spirit give me permission increasingly to be who he's called me to be by showing me things about different people in Scripture. And, uh, you know, uh, Moses and David are two very different people in Scripture. Moses uh, had a phenomenal relationship with the Lord, but uh, he also... He also conquered a lot of territory. And Moses once said to the Lord, Lord, show me your ways that I may know you. Lord, show me your ways that I may know you. The way Moses was wired is he so hungered to know the ways of God. Some might try to convince you you're not super spiritual if your approach to God is somewhat analytical. I'm here to tell you, no, you're just like Moses. You want to know the ways of God, and you understand that if I know the ways of God, I will get to know the person of God. Lord, show me your ways that I may know. I'm a little bit more wired like that. David, the psalmist David, he just was a big old mush pot. Uh, he was writing so- psalms to the Lord and songs to the Lord and poems to the Lord. His, David was a little bit different. But can we all just be honest? It's the David type of Christians that always get the most credit, it seems like. Anybody ever notice that? We see them in church crying, and they're on their knees, and it just, they're so emotional toward the things of God. And, and I'm not saying that intimacy is not for everyone. Don't, don't, get, don't miss what I'm saying here. Intimacy is for everyone. How you express that intimacy is different. Um, my tendency, both good and bad, is I, I feel like I'm always on assignment. I want to know the marching orders of the Lord. I love the concept of, Lord, I, we are taking territory together. We are working together. It is, it is real to me what I'm doing for him. But occasionally I have to, re- well, here's what one of the things communion does for me. Occasionally communion, communion seems to bring me back to the romance and the intimacy I have with God. When I take communion, I'm reminding myself on a regular basis, he is the source. He is the, this all started with him. This all started with him. I, Keith, kind of, you kind of led us in some of this. Um, I, when I, as I, you were leading us in this, and I was already kind of moving with you a little bit, I, when, I was op- when I opened up that bread, I'm, I'm picturing him on that cross. I'm picturing him on that cross. We have such a, um, a benefit. Technology has benefited has benefited us so much is there are now things like, well, we had the movie The Passion of the Christ. Raise your hand, you seen The Passion of the Christ? Okay, when you saw that for the first time, did you have that same experience that a lot of people did where you're like, I don't think I realized it was like that. Anybody else where you saw it and you're like, I, I remember walking out of the theater the first time I saw it and people leaned against the wall crying, like lay, laying on the ground crying, like crippled in an emotion. Why? Because they got... I think for the first time they got to see with their eyes what this scripture has been telling us is true for a long time. Got the movie The Chosen, or or those those shows The Chosen, uh, where what's happening? We can, now with technology, we we get a more clear picture 
of what was actually going on when, this, when the Bible was written. I propose to you, when you're taking communion, try to see it. Try to see it. Because when I see it, my heart is arrested. When I go there and my, my, my heart is arrested, I'm reminded, like, I, I am doing this for you. The, re, the way I live, the way I sacrifice, the way I worship, all these things I'm doing, you are a lifetime worth of worship. And that's only just the start. Why? I'm looking and I'm reminding myself of how my life really started. Your, if you're a believer, you were crucified with Christ and raised with him. So your life started at the cross just like his did. Your, your life started faith on, in the cross. And when we go there in our mind's eye, we are reminded, we are reconnected to the heart of why we do what we do and who we are, what we say. We, we are connecting ourselves to Jesus. He's the source of all life. Amen? All right. Um, I only had two points. It's a good thing because I only have six minutes left. Um, John 15, 1 says... Um, I am the vine, you are the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is telling his disciples, I am the vine, I am the source of all life. He's prophesying what he was. Jesus knew he had been there since the beginning. He knew that. So he's telling them what he was and who he was. But he says, also, don't forget this, I may be the vine, but my Father's the vine dresser. I might be the vine, my Father is the gardener. I'm going to use this word. He's the boss. He's the boss. Can I just say this very simply? If, if the Father was good enough to be Jesus' boss, he's good enough to be our boss. Um, this, this is, I'm very passionate about this part right here. Um, I personally feel like it's something that has gotten lost in some ways. One of the tendencies of humanity, uh, which trickles into Christianity, um, is the tendency to, when God reveals himself in a new way, that new way becomes the only way. When he reveals himself in a new way, the new way becomes the only way. God is so big, it's going to take, this is, a, this is in scripture, God is so big and so infinite, we will literally be learning more about him forever. Literally forever. We will live in etern- for eternity, and for eternity, we will be increasing in our knowledge and awareness of him. If that is true, do you think it's possible that as he's revealing himself to you, it might be about this much? I mean, I literally, I'm sitting here trying to make the smallest little molecule I can with my finger. And look, he, do you think it's possible that what you know about him might be this much? Do you think it's possible that this much is all you could handle right now? Then if that is true, it might, he might have to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put one little fleck of my revelation out to you right now. And when you start to wrap your mind around that to a certain degree, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. That it, whether you agree with that or not, that's true. Um, he's constantly revealing more of himself to us. Jesus, has, it, it would seem to me, at least in the camp that I'm in, and, and have been in. It seems to be that in, in the recent years, there has been this, this release of the grace of God, a release of the goodness of God, the revelation of his goodness, of his kindness, of his mercy. It's like there's been this fresh release where all of a sudden more and more people are becoming aware of the fact, this one simple phrase, 
God is good. If, if you'll be honest, some of you would say, when I was younger, I didn't know he was good. When I, I didn't, I, no one was talking about his goodness. No one talked about him in such a way that I ever thought he wanted to be my friend. He was God. How can God be a friend? Anybody else would say, I, I didn't know that. So there, early in life, I think, or in my life, I did not know that he was good. It seems as though, at least to me and several of the people that I run with and camps that I run with, there's been the release of his goodness. In an, inadvertently, it's like as we began to pursue his goodness, we forgot that he's also still the boss. Oh, he's good. He's so kind. He's so good. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. And he's still the boss. Just do a little mini poll here. Would you agree with me that um, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he was, this was right before he went to the cross, that this was towards the end of Jesus' life. Now remember, Jesus fulfilled everything that he was called to fulfill. He was a fully, fully mature person. At the end of his life, I want you to think back to the garden. Would you say in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was probably a mature person? Do you agree with that? I want you to notice this. In his maturity, the last recorded conversation, best I can remember, the last recorded conversation between Jesus, the vine, and the vine dresser was not Jesus engaging with him as a friend. It was him engaging with him as the boss. That was the last conversation they had. What, what, how did that conversation go? Father, if there is any other way, if there is any other way to do this, please take this cup from I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to do this. But what was the last thing? How did he finish that conversation? But not my will. Yours be done. Can I just say this? You don't ever mature past the point that he is the boss. You don't ever mature to the place where he is not Lord. You might, in your maturing with him, you might become friend. I hope you do. You might get to know him as friend. You may know him as father. Obviously, you're going to know him as savior. You'll learn him as redeemer. You'll learn him as provide. You will learn him as all of these things. These are different expressions of his nature to you. But I propose to you, you never outgrow him being the boss. If he, if he was always Jesus' boss, he will always be our boss. I don't, here's why that is important to me. Scripture says, if you love me, you'll keep my what? commandments Com that's an, just that word alone suggests so much about God that means for the rest of your life he's still going to be giving you commands me, me and Keith me and Keith and Cody me, Keith and Cody are my best friends on this planet and we we hang out all the time the other night we had a big event we we did our our jobs as church leaders and then we went and hung out for hours. Next thing you know, it's 1.20 in the morning. We're like, we probably should go to bed. We were just friends. Um, we have an interesting relationship. I am, I'm, even though they are my best friends, I still have to be the, the boss of this organization. I, I still have to be, I still, I still have to lead. That's what I'm, that's my job. That's my assignment. And so I, I propose to you that, and, I, and my, a lot of preachers will not tell you this is actually true, we have this incredible relationship where there are times when I can almost fully take my boss hat off and Keith and Cody are my friends. 
they're my best friends. And I propose to you, God occasionally wants you to interact with him in such a way where it's almost like, not that he can do this, just please hear my heart and don't tweet that I'm a heretic or something. But, which if you tweet it, I won't know because I'm not on Twitter. But, um, <laughs> and only old people will know because no young people are on Twitter. So, um, It's almost like there's times when God says, hey, you want to just talk? I'm not, let me just take God off. Let me just put friend hat on. Like, can, let's just talk as friends. I want you to get to know him that way. I really genuinely do. But you know what else I want? I don't want you to be disappointed in him. I don't want you to be disappointed in your life. Most Christians find themselves at some point in their life disappointed. And you know why they're disappointed? Because they stay there. And then you never notice this with, when you stay in the friend zone with someone. Sometimes they just get familiar. You, you kind of stop seeing all the good things about them, the powerful things about them. You, you kind of start seeing the more negative things about them. And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, this familiarity happens. Here's what I don't want. I don't want this familiarity to happen with God where you don't forget, hey, yeah, we, we talk as friends sometimes, but he's still God. And me fulfill all of his, all that he provided being fulfilled in my life is not just me allowing him to be my friend. It's at all times allowing him to be my boss. Because right now, he's, he's told me, he's given me some instructions, he's given me some things to do, and I'm working some of that out. But he's only told you a fraction. He's only told you what you could handle right then. But you're going to continue to grow. What does that scripture say when you go on and read there in John chapter 15? He says, if you don't bear fruit, you get cut off, thrown away, and burned. If you do bear fruit, he trims you so that you will bear more fruit. What's the lesson? You're going to get cut one way or another. You're getting cut. Isn't that encouraging to hear? At some point, God's going to cut you. But the good news is, we get to choose why He cuts us. We get to, we get to choose why He trims. So what I'm saying is, is in your pursuit of Him, if He's the boss, if He's the vine dresser, He gets to decide which branch stays and which branch doesn't. And here's what, this is an incredible analogy here. He will plant you with Jesus as your source. You will be planted and you will start to grow. And for a season, you can grow any direction you want. I've been in seasons like that where I almost feel like, Lord, just blessing everything I do. I do this, it works. I do that, it works. I mean, man, everything's just going. But then I've also been in seasons where all of a sudden it felt like, snip, 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 snip. And I'm like, where's the green at? Like, I see no green left on my little baby vine. What he's saying is, for, there will be seasons where you just grow. Growth seasons are so fun. Growth seasons are easy. Growth seasons are the hardest to steward. There is nothing more difficult to steward than abundance. Your relationship with God, I'll bet you this is right, your relationship with God is usually the most intense and vibrant when you are in a down season. I need, God, I need you. I need you to heal my body. I need you to save my marriage. I need you to bless my finances. I need you to fix this situation with my children. I, you're usually the most engaged with him when you need him the most. When is it the, when are you usually the, the least engaged with him? When life tells you you don't need him right now. Money's good, family's good, job's good, everything's good, except for what? Usually your prayer life. 
he doesn't bother him. He's not bothered by that. He's, there's seasons of growth. But what I'm telling you is, is you've got to be in tune with, at, in some of those seasons, every now and then the Lord will say, hey, I'm, I just want to chit-chat with you about a couple things. I'm, uh, I know this used to be okay. Snip, 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 snip. Let's not do that anymore. You know, I really hadn't, hadn't come at you with this whole drinking thing. I haven't come at you with this whole this thing. I haven't really come at you with this. It wasn't the main thing. It wasn't the biggest thing in your life. But I, 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 need, I need, snip, 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 snip. Can you set that down for a while for me? Oh, yeah, yeah, with the Lord. It's in Scripture. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus had wine with his friend. Da, da. You know what? I, there's, a, there's, a greater, there's, a, there's a greater call on our lives, and it's not just to take the Scripture black and white and try to fit the Scripture to what we want. It's to let the Holy Spirit say, yeah, but what about right now? What if he's going, snip, 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 snip. For you right now, that's actually not okay. I'll tell you another one. Are you not a follower of Jesus just because you only come to church once or twice a month? No. Are you going to lose your salvation if you only come to church once? No. Can, is it possible that because of the season of life you're in, the Lord doesn't talk to you about even your church attendance? You come, you're, you've got other things going on. Is it possible that he's actually okay with that? I say yes. I say yes. But is it possible that every now and then the Lord says, Hey, uh, your golf game, snip, 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 snip. Deer season, snip, 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 snip. This one's going to hurt your feelings. Your kids select sports and travel sports. Snip, 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 snip. Oh, God doesn't mind if my kid plays. I, 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 me and God, we talked about this. He's good with my, well, you talked to him 10 years ago. My question to you is, is in your developing your relationship with him, do you still, are you still aware that he still has that God hat? And every now and then he needs to put it on. He needs to put that vine dresser hat on. He needs to put that gardener hat on and go snip, 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 snip. And your, my, your life, I don't know if you've ever seen this. Sometimes when you cl- trim back a bush, there ain't much left of the bush. Ain't much left to it. It's like, I, that sucker's not coming back. <laughs> it ain't coming back. Anybody in here better, in the season of your life where the Lord just snip, 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 and you're like, could you just leave one leaf just so I can remind myself that I'm alive? Like, I just, I need something there. What I'm asking you is don't ever get to a place in your relationship with God where you forget that He's the boss. He is God. He carries the shears. And Lord, this might have been okay at one season of my life, but if you say it's not, you trim that sucker away. And you know why I'm going to be okay with that? Because the only reason you'd be trimming it away is one, either it's not producing fruit or you want it to produce more. And in both of those scenarios, I trust you. In both of those scenarios, I trust you. If it does not need to be there, if I never need to touch a drop of alcohol again, you're the boss. Sometimes we find ourselves, I'm guilty of this. You start trying to use scriptures to convince convince yourself that you can kind of do what you want to do. Oh, I'm sure he's good with this. Ask him. <laughs> Ask him. And he might just go, you know what? That one's not, there's things in my life. I won't go into them right now, but there are things in my life. I, I'm sure they're okay for other people, but they're not for me. There are some things that I know I'm not supposed to even touch. So I don't. Now, if I see somebody else touching it, I don't judge. <laughs> Usually I kind of want it, but yeah. Like, oh, I remember those days. But I, then I'm also reminded when I see, sorry. But I'm just being honest with you. 
But you know what else it reminds me of? And it reminds my heart of? He's the boss. Every time I see that, he's the boss. And if he ever wants this other thing, he can have it too. And if he ever wants this other thing, he can have it too. We have such a small amount of time. This little fragile earth we live in, this little vapor, this little vapor that this life is, we have so little time to convince him that before eternity, we will give him everything. That is no small thing. That there is nothing in my life, not one piece of my life, that you're not the boss of. And I... uh, I want, that for, I want that for you. I want you to live that way because here's what I know. The more you live that way, the more you get to experience the fullness of what this book, what these scriptures say are, are open to you. Because once you've given him everything, he just wants to give you everything back. And you know how he, you know when he gives stuff back, you know what usually happens to it? Not usually. You know what always happens to it? It grows. What does he say? Give and it'll be given back to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. There's nothing you can give him that won't return bigger. There's nothing you can give him that won't return better. There's nothing you can give him that won't return stronger. And it's that life that I think sometimes as Christians we see and go, ah, I don't know why this isn't happening in my life. I don't know why this is not happening in my life. I encourage you, is there, some, is there an area in your life where it's like, you know what, maybe, he, maybe I took... Maybe I took the vine dresser's shears away. Maybe there's some things in my life. Maybe there's not the fruit that I see because I haven't given him permission and the ability to trim some things or prune some things in my life. Is, it, is, is that possible? Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.